You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland. It's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Monster Dog. Welcome to Monster Talk, the skeptical podcast about cryptids, science, and skepticism, brought to you by Skeptic Magazine. I'm your host, Blake Smith, and together with Dr. Karen Stolzno, linguist and skeptical investigator, and Ben Radford, managing editor of Skeptical Inquirer Magazine and skeptical investigator, we talk about monsters. Today on Monster Talk, we discuss the mysterious creature known as the Chupacabra. We turn to one of our co-hosts to leverage their expertise on the topic. Ben Radford just completed a manuscript for a book on this Latin American vampiric creature, and Karen and I interview him to find out many things, but Ben assures us there's much, much more in his upcoming book. Let's get to the interview. Monster Dog. Okay. Tonight we're joined by um, (laughs) Benjamin Rageford. Rageford? Bradford. Rayburn. Rayburn. (laughs) To discuss... The Chupacabra. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ben, you're one of our regular panelists, so uh, this is the first time we've actually interviewed our own team. Seems the tables have turned. Yes. Now you're the interviewee. Uh-oh. All right. Okay, well, let's go. Let's see. Ben, uh, just on the off chance that our guests don't know about what a Chupacabra is, can you tell us about the Chupacabra, what it is, where it comes from, its defining characteristics? Sure. I mean, it's it's sort of like, what, what is the Bigfoot? Of course, you're, you're talking about something that uh, that's never been proven to exist, and so everybody has their own particular take on it. 
in the case of the chupacabra, and I, let me just state at the outset that there is a, a minor debate as to whether it's chupacabra or chupacabras uh, with an S at the end. Uh, I've gotten some kind of cranky emails from people who, who insist on correcting me, although uh, I, I usually just use this, the uh, the singular without the uh, S because it's, it's, it's more common. And where did the come from? Well, the uh, there there are a couple of different theories about that. Essentially, it appeared uh, more or less out of the blue in 1995 Puerto Rico. Um, there's a a variety of of theories about where they came from. One of the most popular ones is that it's the result of uh, top secret U.S. government genetic experiments, uh, sort of like the Frankenstein uh, element to it. Uh, and there's also a, a um, an element of anti-Americanism um, that's uh, p- that sort of permeates the mythology of the chupacabra, not only in Puerto Rico but in Latin America in general. And um, so that's sort of where it basically came from. the The other theory is that uh, the chupacabra is essentially an extraterrestrial or an extraterrestrial's pet. Uh, there are a couple of people who believe that um, that aliens visited. Uh, Puerto Rico in 95 and were abducting people and doing their usual stuff and they left behind what's essentially their dog <laughs> and, it's, and it became the chupacabra. One of the things that's interesting about the chupacabra is that it's, it basically appears in two very different forms. The original chupacabra from Puerto Rico, based on one, based on one basically original sighting, is about four to five feet tall it has long limbs. It's got red wraparound eyes, sort of like alien eyes. Some people say it has fangs. It has uh, very distinctive spikes down its back and things like that. Oddly enough, the the only chupacabras that have been actually found, or you know, animal, uh, let's just say alleged chupacabras, an, alleged chupacabras, yes, <laughs> a- animal carcasses that that were claimed to be chupacabras are all canids. So they're all dogs, wolves, cut foxes, coyotes, things like that which, of course, looked nothing like what I just described. So there's a very interesting dimorphism of the uh, morphology of the chupacabra, which I discuss in my, in my book that will be coming out uh, next year on the chupacabra. So where does the actual name chupacabra come from? Doesn't it mean goat sucker? Yeah, it does. Yeah, there's some debate about who actually created the word, coined the word. There's a comedian, a Puerto Rico comedian that claims he did. Uh, someone else says he's full of it. I I don't know, and frankly, I don't care. But basically, yeah, it means goat sucker. Uh, in, in a way, it's interesting because the, the name is very similar to that of Bigfoot, wherein you know we don't know what Bigfoot is, so it's, it's really known uh, for what it leaves behind. And, of course, in the case of Bigfoot, it leaves behind large footprints. In the case of the chupacabra, uh, it leaves behind um, sucked goats, uh, basically animals that have been uh, supposedly had their, their blood sucked out of them. So uh, everything from uh, livestock, chickens, uh, goats, dogs, cats, uh, you name it. It'd be cooler if we called it the exsanguinator. Yeah, well, yeah, that sounds like a sounds like a a, a, a wrestling, wrestling name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there I guess go. it does. Oh, well, you know, it's not good though. Now, just realize because you'd have to, it still doesn't specify goats. So chupacabra really kind of gets it all together there. So, getting back to the chupacabra, uh, what's the history of the creature? Because uh, you were saying that it's it started appearing in the nineteen nineties. Yeah, it basically again appeared more or less. 
you know, out of the blue in, in, in 1995 in, in, uh, in a little place called uh, Canovanas, just outside of San Juan, Puerto Rico. And that has always been one of the, the main mysteries of the Chupacabra. Um, one of the central mysteries is where did it come from? I mean, if you, in the case of animals such as, uh, or alleged animals like Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster or what have you, there's, you know, people who claim, well, if you look at old stories, you know, dating back, you know, the Indian stories, Native American legends, etc., uh, they try and basically corral and manufacture old legends and myths to, you know, basically as, as historical evidence for these creatures. In the case of Chupacabra, that doesn't, there is none. I mean, there, there simply is no real precedent before that. Um, there's one researcher who believes, uh, named Scott Corrales, uh, who believes that uh, there, that an earlier version of the uh, chupacabra uh, um, was seen in the town of Mocha, and so there's uh, in in the chupacabra literature you'll see reference to the vampire of Mocha, which I think uh, occurred in the in the late 70s. Although again, it was basically uh, a collection of a few dead animals that were supposedly sucked of blood, uh, and then basically it wasn't seen for 20 years after that. Okay, they make those drinks down there. <laughs> <laughs> the mochaccinos. <laughs> wow. That was worth it. Okay, totally worth it. All right. <laughs> okay, sorry. You, you do go on. That's basically the, the uh, you know, where it came from. And, and again, the... Sorry, is the vampire of Mocha well-known? Is that like a... Or is it kind of obscure... It's it's kind of obscure. It's really best known in, in reference to either cattle mutilations or uh, or the, the chupacabra stories. Uh, but it, it does it is interesting because it does bring in the whole vampire element to it. Because uh, you know, the, the chupacabra is unique among you know cryptozoological creatures. It, certainly, the, the big ones like you know Bigfoot isn't known for sucking blood or necessarily attacking people. Same with uh, Ogopogo or or the Mothman or what else have or or what have you. In the case of the Chupacabra, of course, um, that that is one of its defining characteristics. Is it, it is vampiric and it does suck blood, which of course opens up some very interesting questions as to what sort of animal you know, could it be, where could it come from? Is it treated as a, a natural animal or a supernatural animal? I know they they bring this alien element into it, but is there anything about the killings that? Uh, makes it supernatural, or is that just what the eyewitnesses are seeing, or why? Why, why is it not just an animal? Why do they think there's a special kind of creature doing this? Well, it really depends on who you talk to. There actually, there's a very strong UFO enthusiast presence in in Puerto Rico. It's actually surprisingly large, given the you know the the location and the the size of the island. Uh, and so there's so one of the reasons that you do have such a, a significant group of people who are attributing aliens and UFOs uh, origins to the chupacabra is because of, of groups of those people. There are also evangelical Christians who believe that the chupacabra is a sign of the end times. The chupacabra has been uh, sort of roped into uh, Christian end times theology. For example, I was reading one reference that. Uh, the guy was talking about how uh, in the book of Revelation it talks about uh, uh, horrific beasts coming out and uh, and attacking people, and so the this person believes that um, that uh, along with some of the other biblical creatures, the chupacabra was foretold in the Bible. Um, so you really, it's really interesting. You have a basically a, a wide variety of people sort of corral the chupacabra into their own personal agendas and how they see the world, uh, but I think most people. Uh, most people 
as far as I can tell, either don't believe it exists or those who believe that it exists in some form think it, it's probably a natural creature of some sort. So, Ben, you were speaking about cattle mutilations and uh, vampires. Uh, I've heard that uh, the chupacabra is often supposedly linked to satanic cults. What do you know about that? There's an element of that. Supposedly, the uh, the main connection is that the the exsanguinated victims uh, can basically be attributed to either satanic cults or aliens abducting cattle for their own bizarre and nefarious purposes, or the chupacabra. Um, so that's that's sort of one of the most fascinating elements of it is that you can have the same animal that that uh, uh, you know can appear to have been sucked to blood. And if it appeared in, uh, let's say, October of 1995 in Puerto Rico, uh, it would have been it would have been clear evidence that the chupacabra was there. If you had seen that in 1978 in New Mexico, uh, that would have been attributed probably to uh, extraterrestrials. And if that same creature had been found uh, dead, say, in the Midwest in the in the mid 1980s, uh, it would be the work of uh, satanic cults. Um, so you, ha- you have exactly the same evidence being interpreted in, in very different ways. So have there been any attacks on humans, supposedly? Because we've got a, an equivalent in Australia, the bunyip, which you might have heard of. And oh, that yeah. attacks not only other animals, but also humans. Well, one of the interesting things about the chupacabra is that uh, it, it apparently has not attacked any humans. Uh, there are a couple stories uh, that you know, as is typical, of course, in this in this in this field. Uh, once you actually look into the stories and do a little digging, they fall apart pretty quickly. Um, there was one guy in Mexico, I believe, uh, who claimed that he had been attacked by chupacabra. I think it later turned out he'd been in a bar fight and didn't want to tell his wife. There, there are no reliable, credible uh, human uh, victims of the chupacabra, which is which is interesting uh, given the fact that it, it appears to have no compunctions about uh, attacking a wide variety of other animals. What are some of the most infamous sightings or stories of the chupacabra? What are some of your classic stories? As far as the Puerto Rican chupacabra, uh, the original uh, and most influential sighting was uh, of a, was by a woman named Madeline Tolentino. Uh, and she claimed that uh, she had actually seen this creature outside of her mother's house uh, in, in, in Puerto Rico. And uh, she gave a very, very detailed, lengthy description uh, to, um, to local UFO uh, investigators, and I, I use the phrase very loosely, um, who got interested in it and wanted to write this up for, the, for their UFO newsletters. Um, and she talked about just at length, in fact, in, in Scott Corrales' book, uh, Chupacabras and Other Mysteries, um, he reprints her, uh, her interview at, at length and in detail. And she talks about exactly how, how big it was and how many, how many fingers it had on each, on each limb, the fact that it had, uh, no genitalia. I mean, she's just going into an amazingly detailed description here. How long did she see it? Well, uh, she's she's fuzzy on that. Um, apparently, it was at least um, you know ten fifteen minutes, uh, according to her. I mean, uh, there, there are lots of very vague parts of this story. She also claims that her mother chased it into a nearby field, uh, and that a local teenager uh, gr- uh, grabbed the chupacabra, forced its mouth open, looked in its mouth for I don't know 
gum or dentures or something, let it go, and then it hopped off into the sunset. Wow. So, well, yeah, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm, well, I'm, no, I'm, making, saying, it, she, I'm, I'm making it sound much more credible than well, it actually did, was. Did, did those other two people corroborate the story? Oh, that's a good question, Blake. Um, no. Oh, okay. as as <laughs> uh, okay. Oddly enough, it seems that the UFO investigators, I'm using scare quotes here, the UFO investigators uh, apparently never bothered to actually ask anyone else. They basically just got her story and said, thank you, and walked away. But her, her sighting is, is, is probably the most important sighting, the, the most important Chupacabra sighting in history because it's, it's, um, it became, her description essentially became the, the default description of the Chupacabra. She's case zero? Yeah, she's case zero, exactly. So if you do a Google image search for Chupacabra, um, you'll find a variety of photos and this and that, but the majority of them will be, ba- will be based upon um, her description, which actually she she uh, she worked with a guy named Jorge Martin, uh, and he did a sketch um, uh, based on her description that basically uh, went worldwide. And so, it became the template. Uh, it became the template, and so her her sighting is really the most important one in terms of uh, when, when you look up in cryptozoology, in cryptozoology books and monster books, one of the first things they'll talk about: oh, it's four to five feet tall, spikes on the back, red eyes, this and that and the other. That came directly from Tolentino sighting uh, and a couple of uh, follow-ups as well. Quick skeptic point here: you know, I say it became the template just because we don't know. I mean, I guess for people who think the story is true it became the wanted poster but right. uh, but um it, it, uh, again one of the ongoing uh, observations that we've got is, is that people tend to become primed for these kind of sightings and uh and then use those templates as the things that they use to fill out their picture of the monster absolutely and and in fact in that particular sighting um i don't i don't want to give too much away but i actually found a uh a really remarkable piece of evidence about that original sighting that uh, I'll, I'll maybe we'll revisit on a future. Uh, well, future yeah, let's wait till your book comes out on that one. That are you- well, Ben, you said that uh, it hopped away, and I have read some accounts that claim the the creature moves like a kangaroo. Yes, you, is that the sort of prototype as well? Uh, again, it it uh, it. It depends on, on which description you're reading. Um, in my research for the book, I uh, read probably a dozen different uh, books on that were describing it, and and you'd be hard-pressed to find any that exactly matched. Some writers basing their, basing their description on some eyewitnesses say that uh, it had wings, and it, uh, it basically is like a, a pterosaur or, or something that uh, flies around in the night skies. Uh, other books and other eyewitnesses say that uh, it hops like a kangaroo and has a long tail. Other eyewitnesses say it doesn't have a tail at all, but instead has spikes down the back. So um, it, it's it's actually amazing. <laughs> there's there's an amazing diversity. Uh, one some, one might say an impossible diversity of characteristics in the in the chupacabra. Yeah, I've seen recreations that included flight as part of its powers, at least the mm-hmm. ability to jump up into trees and jump out of trees. And uh, on the the adventures beyond, uh, I don't want to call it a documentary. I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> no, that's giving it far too much credibility. That's so making it sound like a Spring Hill Jack. Oh, it was a lot like yes. Spring Hill Jack with uh, glow in the dark eyes, and or not glow, yeah. glowing eyes, I guess. Um, you know, no, here's a question for you though. So we've talked about what the creature looks like in its initial 
incarnation. And yet, somehow, once it gets onto the mainland of North America, the, it becomes a canid. Or at yes. least the canid creatures are described as chupacabras. So how does that, I mean, how do, that doesn't make any sense to me from a biological perspective. And for people in cryptozoology who are serious about it and are treating it as mystery animals, obviously there's a huge disconnect between an alien hybrid uh, jumping creature and an animal that looks like a hairless dog. So what did you find out about the, the origin of that, that uh, assignation of title? Well, what you find is that the uh, even though the word chupacabra, as as Karen mentioned, mean literally means goat sucker, what it really means in a in a much more realistic uh, sense is is just something that's unknown or unexplained. It's it's, it's a um, it's sort of a boogeyman. It's a scapegoat. Uh, mm-hmm. So if, for example, you have <laughs> get a scapegoat, yeah, I thought yes, you liked that. Yeah. <laughs> that that was for you, man. So yeah, what you have, for example, is that if you have uh, livestock or again a dead dog, chicken, what have you, that that for for whatever reason someone comes across and for whatever reason someone thinks is mysterious, uh, especially if if uh, he's of Hispanic origin or speaks Spanish, um, as of course as as you often find in Latin America and also in, in Texas and, and other places, uh, it's very likely that the the first explanation that will jump to mind is. This is the victim of chupacabra, and so what you find is that um, is that again, anything that anybody finds weird for whatever reason is automatically becomes a chupacabra, even if it has no relation whatsoever to to any uh, to to anything at all. To do you know certainly nothing resembling Madeline Tolentino's original sighting or anything else. And so I mean I've even had um, I've had people show me. A, um, a Jenny Hanover, which is you know basically a, a, a cut up uh, a devil fish. It's a cut up and dried skate that's made to it's it's a, basically a, a sort of carnival gaff, a faked animal uh, that was claimed to be a chupacabra. Now again, this is a dried, cut up, smelly <laughs> thing that that doesn't remotely resemble either a canid or. Or the original uh, Puerto Rican chupacabra. So, you, so again, that that's 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 one of the characteristics of it is it's yes, it's a placeholder for mystery. Exactly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, consciousness, philosophy, UFOs, ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost, and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show. <laughs> so join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms 
platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. So what you find is that, is that, as you said, after the Chupacabra made the jump, either physical or metaphorical, to the mainland, it suddenly changed form and it became uh, a canid. So one of the one of the original sightings, uh, one of the most important ones uh, after 1995, um, happened in uh, in uh, Nicaragua. In uh, in August 2000, there was a, a farmer named Jorge Talavera who uh, had a, a, a ranch and a farm outside of Managua, and he had been experiencing predation and he. Uh, I think he had something like a dozen animals that had been supposedly mysteriously drained of blood. And he went out one night and uh, he saw this, what he believed and claimed was a chupacabra, actually two of them, attacking his uh, his, his uh, livestock. And he shot at it in the dark and it, 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 uh, it ran away. And a couple of days later, one of his ranch hands found the skeleton that had been picked over by predator birds at that point of this weird, mysterious, canid creature that uh, had had almost no fur, and it just looked very unusual. And at that point, he called his boss, Mr. Talavera, out on the ranch, and he decided that he had, in fact, killed a chupacabra, and he was convinced that he was the first person in history to do so. And that was really the first case, again, that was in 2000, where there was a body. Uh, before that, the, the chupacabra, all we had were chupacabra eyewitness sightings. You know, someone says they saw something. And you also had alleged chupacabra victims. So you had chickens, goats, what have you, that either were drained of blood or were thought to have been drained of blood. But nobody had, you know, found an actual dead specimen that you could poke at and examine whatever else until uh, the uh, August 2000 Nicaragua sighting. It seems that most of the sightings uh, and stories are centered around the Americas. Do you know of this creature or variants existing in other cultures? Well, that's an excellent question, and it, it sort of depends on which thread you're following. Of course, if you're following the, the vampire thread, uh, that'll take you, certainly if you're, look, if you're looking at Slavic vampires, that'll take you back to Europe, um, of course, in the you know, 14, 15, 1600s. And you can go back to uh, you know, the vampire mythos and, and uh, you know, Vlad the Impaler and all those sorts of things. And, and, and of course, the, that particular vampire is only one of, of many vampires that, uh, that exist around the world in different cultures. So uh, you have vampire myths in Africa and, and Asia and, and elsewhere. So if you're, you know, if the thread that one follows is the vampire one, then certainly it's it's part of a much broader context of of, um, of vampires, and in many ways it's a very specialized vampire, uh, specifically sort of a, a product of of the Puerto Rican culture and mythology. In terms of a chupacabra-like creature elsewhere, there isn't really one. I sort of see the chupacabra as being a very sort of brand specific. Animal, partly for because of its name. I mean, you know, part of you know the El Chupacabra is Hispanic. It, it involves obviously Spanish speaking. It involves um, cattle. Uh, so there's obviously it's the product of an, of a uh, an agrarian society. And so again, there, there certainly are other sort of quasi vampiric creatures around the world. Uh, the Chupacabra. Unlike many of those, be, you know, essentially came into existence in one very specific particular place in time uh, and then spread from there. So since that time, there have been chupacabra sightings in 
I've read some reports that say they're in, in Russia, certainly throughout Latin America, Nicaragua, uh, Honduras, Costa Rica, uh, Chile, Argentina, Brazil. I heard of uh, one case in Australia and Perth back in the 1990s. Really? Yeah, but the, the creature sounds a little bit like the, um, the Lou or Rougarou. Mm-hmm. Um, those characters that you've got in uh, like Louisiana in the swamps. Mm-hmm. Think, Blake? Well, yeah, well <laughs> I think... What, Some of your southern creatures? Oh, we have all kinds of things done here. Or do we? The question I have, and this kind of ties into that, I mean, the you've got animals being killed, and this is kind of a mystery to me because we talked about it in a recent episode. Um, when these animals die, things happen to the bodies, um, mm-hmm. and especially if they're being predated, uh, you know, think there's going to be parts missing. But my question is, do, does the evidence actually support the idea that these creatures are really drinking the blood? I mean, uh, the photos that you and I looked at, Ben, and some of the video I've looked at, I, when they cut these animals open... They didn't look bloodless to me. I mean, blood wasn't pouring out, but you would expect it to congeal over time, right? I mean... Yeah, you would think. In fact, one of the videos I showed you uh, was, I think it was from the Beyond Bazaar. And uh, it really was Beyond Bazaar because the narrator is talking about how the the people in the video are cutting open this animal that has clearly been drained of all blood. Yet on the screen, (laughs) there's clearly blood all over the animal. Uh, So that was truly Beyond Bazaar. Of course, yeah, I imagine that the producers just, that was the only footage they had, and so they didn't recognize that the uh, the voiceover was directly contradicting what was on the screen. Yeah, certainly, you know, and this is where the, the, the chupacabra sort of ties in with uh, uh, animal mutilations and cattle mutilations, particularly tied to extraterrestrials. Um, this notion that uh, animals can die of a variety of causes that aren't immediately obvious, um, that can that can mimic uh, blood loss. Uh, and in fact, for my book, I interviewed a forensic pathologist uh, at the local university and had a long discussion with her about the different um, forensic processes uh, that happen. You know, one, once a, a body um, once a body starts to, to decay, you know, the, the blood pressure drops and uh, and uh, liver mortis sets in. And so. Um, it's not necessarily obvious uh, whether an animal has in fact been drained of blood. And so oftentimes what you find is that someone who, uh, I mean, countless times in my research, I would find quotes from eyewitnesses who were absolutely convinced that, that, uh, that their, their dog or their cat or their goat or their, their uh, cattle had been drained of blood, apparently without having done any examination whatsoever. They just sort of saw it lying there and said, hey, must be drained of blood. Huh, look at that. Are there any uh, predators in Puerto Rico besides dogs that would be capable of doing these kind of killings? Are, are there foxes or coyotes or anything like that? There are not. Um, and that's actually, again, that's another sort of reason why the, the Puerto Rico is a unique uh, area. Because it is geographically isolated, there there is a, a band of uh, monkeys, uh, racist monkeys, uh, that were apparently let loose. Uh, on the island in a, in a you know a scientific experiment, <laughs> irony of ironies, uh, that escaped and, and made their way into um, into the jungle in, uh, in in Puerto Rico. And of course, there is a there is a, a sizable amount of, of jungle area and, and wooded land uh, where these things could could hang out. Um, 
Interestingly, uh, I, I was I was looking into one of the um, one of the theories proposed by a, a, um, a British researcher, uh, John Downs of the Center for Fortean Zoology. Uh, he believes that at least some of the original uh, predations in Puerto Rico were attributable to mongooses, and that that uh, some of them may have been killed in ways that wouldn't be obvious. Majority of the killings uh, which occur in the mainland. Um, you know, again, North America uh, and elsewhere, uh, you very much do have uh, foxes, coyotes, dogs, uh, feral dogs, things like that. Um, but in, in the case of Puerto Rico specifically, no, you don't. I mean, other than, of course, you know, wild dogs and, and even tame dogs will sometimes kill animals. And the, the examples of the chupacabra that have been found and tested, what have they been? It, it depends. Uh, there's been... Um, off the top of my head, I'm going to say there's been about eight or nine uh, allegedly found chupacabra carcasses. Some of them have been sort of uh, spirited away, sort of sort of like the uh, the alien implants, you know, where the aliens come down and they leave implants in people, uh, but some, somehow they're never around to be tested. So there's been a couple cases of where um, where the alleged beastie has 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 been gone. In fact, in that piece, in that uh, in the in the case I mentioned earlier in 2000 in uh, Nicaragua, uh, that's actually an instructive case because um, the the animal, when uh, the rancher Talavera took it to a local university, um, they concluded that it was uh, just a dog. It was a, a common dog. And when he got – and Talavera refuted this, and when he got the bones back, he claimed that they had been switched. He claimed that there was a conspiracy – and that the university had taken his real chupacabra bones and swapped out the uh, dog bones um, to discredit him or put him on eBay. I don't know. I don't know what he thought was going on. But so the, there's also a very interesting undercurrent of conspiracy theory uh, in the chupacabra that that again is unique to the chupacabra. You, you don't really find conspiracy theories wrapped up too much in Bigfoot mythology or Loch Ness Monster or whatever else, it's very much a part of the Chupacabra mythology. So to answer Karen's question, in that, in that particular case, the, the scientific answer was that it, it was in fact a dog. Uh, Talavera agreed that it's a dog, but he says that, again, it was switched for his real Chupacabra. In other cases, probably the most famous case was uh, in Cuero, Texas in 2007. There was a woman in Phyllis Canyon uh, who claimed that there was the summer of the chupacabra, and she uh, shot uh, – well, actually, she found a, a, an animal that had been killed by the side of the road and had basically come back coyote. And she uh, she uh, disputed that, and that's, it became a, a long-involved pissing match among various people who are, who are both uh, supporting and, and, and denying that. Other animals have been found to be um, – usually they're dogs with mange, coyotes with mange. Uh, there's a fox. Uh, there was a chupacabra that was supposedly found in Turner, Maine. Uh, sort of a bluish haze that turned out to be a dog of some sort. So essentially every time that science finds a, a chupacabra carcass or alleged chupacabra carcass, uh, it always comes out to be a canid. It always comes out to be – Dog, fox, um, coyote, something along those lines. Do you see the chupacabra as being something uh, that can be solved as a phenomena? I do. Um, and the reason I say that is because the chupacabra, again, unlike most other sort of you know marquee monsters, 
is is very new. Uh, it's only been around since '95, so we're we're talking about something that's only been living to the degree that it's living for 15 years. It's only been around. So, when when your book comes out, do you think you're going to be able to stamp uh, "case closed" on the top of it? I do. I, I really do, and I don't. And I don't. I don't take that lightly. I mean, as an investigator, I'm very used to saying in in this particular case, I didn't disprove all ghosts. I didn't disprove that. Um, but I think that when when the book comes out, I think I've I've nailed every single element to it. Um, and I think that the people who still believe that the chupacabra exists and is out there are going to have a very difficult time uh, unless they're addressing <laughs> unless they find gaping holes in my point by point analysis. I would feel comfortable in saying that I, I think I may have finally solved the mystery. Um, and, and part of the key was, uh, was again, as I mentioned before, one of the big mysteries is why it suddenly appeared in 95 Puerto Rico. It's just, animals just don't do that. And, um, I think that was kind of the last, last piece of the puzzle. And you think you found an explanation for that? I believe I did. Well, I'm excited. I can't wait to read the book and find out what it is. <laughs> With a lot of the, the Chupacabra stuff and the investigations, um, it wasn't just, uh, it wasn't all just you know armchair uh, stuff. I mean, I actually went out and I did a, a expedition into the uh, jungles of Nicaragua. Actually, in fact, in the uh, in the current issue of Forty and Times magazine, uh, in issue two fifty seven, January two thousand ten, um, which is not exactly a competitor of Skeptical Inquirer, but uh, you know they they have good pieces now and then. Um, I actually have a piece in the in the in the uh, in the actually, I guess, current or forthcoming issue on my expedition to uh, the jungles of Nicaragua to try and find the chupacabra. I was going to ask you about that uh, because you've made a number of treks to South America and you've written a few articles about this creature already. And from what you've told me, a lot of the locals and people that you've spoken with don't seem to really take it too seriously. They seem to, the stories seem to be rather tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, that's that's one of the interesting facets to it is that it um, oftentimes the locals don't take it nearly as seriously as the outsiders do. Um, so you know something you know you, you you'll read about something that says uh, you know the people in this particular country or this particular region are terrified of this creature, blah 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 blah, and you know all that makes good copy. But when you actually go there and you actually interview people, they're like. Yeah, you know, it's it's a story. You know, people talk, things like that. Um, attraction for those places. Uh, what what'd you say? Do you think it's a tourist attraction for these places? Uh in some cases, uh, certainly. I mean, in the case of like Nicaragua, I would say no, um, because you know, Mr. Talavera. I mean, he, he. I think he enjoyed his fifty minutes of fame on TV, uh, but um, you know. I, in places like that, I don't think it's so much a tourist attraction. That is the case, I would say, for example, in uh, in America. Uh, if you look at the the Cuero chupacabra in Texas and the Blanco chupacabra, there's actually been about three or four chupacabras that have been coming out of Texas in the last um, last few years. Uh, in those cases, uh, it's completely being exploited. I mean, you know, they're selling T-shirts that <laughs> have the chupacabra on them. You can buy beer cozies and you know and you know take your pick uh so there's that's there's def- absolutely that's america there's you know and and i interviewed uh and i went and met with phyllis canyon um the woman who uh, who has the chupacabra there 
I was actually for a, uh, a Monster Quest shoot um, a couple years back and talked to her at length, and uh, she's very open about it. She's like, well, look, I mean, you know, why not? I, I found the Chupacabra. I have it in my freezer. Uh, you can look at the dead head if you want. You can poke at it and smell it and whatever. Um, and so why not uh, why not produce some T-shirts for it? So, And whatever. I mean, that's, you know, that's fine. So how many overall, how many sightings, and I, I say that, not how many animals were claimed to have been victims, but like how many people have seen the chupacabra that you're aware of? Uh, I would say it, it's a, it, it's you know certainly, uh, certainly dozens, if not hundreds. Um, again, depending on how credible and and how complete an account you're looking at. Uh, although, of course, many of them, I, I should add, are sort of uh, follow-ups on earlier sightings. So, for example, uh, in the case of Madeline Tolentino's original sighting. In, in Puerto Rico, her sighting spawned uh, many other, you could almost say copycat sightings, uh, where you know all of a sudden people are seeing exactly what she saw, um, and so uh, you know some of them you can link directly to original sightings other times, and, and again it, it goes back to the nature of the chupacabra, which is anything weird is a chupacabra. I mean there was a couple reports of some, uh, I think it was a taxi driver in. Um, in uh, I think it was in Chile, uh, who uh, who said he saw some creature that was running next to him as he drove a taxi, and it sort of kept up with him, and then it flew into the sky, and uh, he he was interviewed by the local newspaper who said uh, maybe he saw the chupacabra. Now, you know his description. <laughs> if you if you look at what he actually said. It has no connection whatsoever to anything that anybody would repre- you know, represent the chupacabra, but again, the, either the the eyewitnesses or more often the uh, the, me- the press and news media themselves, they like a chupacabra story. So, if anybody says they saw anything weird, hey, let's let's slap the name chupacabra on it and sell some papers. And do you find wow. that there's if there's a sighting that that sets off a spate of other sightings at that same time? Yes, very very much so. And, and of course, that that's typical for a lot of these creatures. I mean, if uh, I I saw the exact same thing in when I was investigating the um, the Lake Champlain creature, uh, and you look at the index, you know, sighting of uh, of Sandra Mancy, and uh, and right after her photo became public of the Lake Champlain monster champ, uh, after her photo went public and she started telling her story. Uh, dozens of other people suddenly started seeing exactly the same thing, and you can trace it directly to the publicity uh, of the sighting. So that's actually, you know, that, that, that's fairly common. In your research, did you talk to anybody who works at Arecibo to find out if they do have a genetics lab there? I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really joking. I really, I really was wondering if you did that. <laughs> I, I, I have not. A friend of mine uh, works at, at Arecibo, used to, Daniel Altschuler, uh, my understanding is that it being a, what I think is I understand is now a decommissioned radio observatory. I don't know if they're actually equipped for uh, for doing genetics experiments, um, but they might be. You know, and and again, this you know there are again this traces back to conspiracy theories and anti-American sentiment, which are both very much in evidence in in Costa Rica, and. Um, and, you know, and in America, and, and America, and <laughs> elsewhere. Uh, I don't know if the Aussies are pissed off at us, but it's improving. It's improving. It is true that uh, there are 
U.S. military installations um, in Puerto Rico, and of course it's you know as as a you know U.S. possession. Um, so there is an element of truth to it insofar as I'm sure there are secret military things going on there. Um, that doesn't mean that they created the chupacabras. The same thing with Area 51. Uh, it actually is a it actually is a real military base, and they do secret things there. It doesn't mean they're making UFOs. Uh, but of course, uh, the um, the conspiracy theorists uh, like to sort of use that as a jumping off point. I'll say. <laughs> All right. Well, that's pretty cool, Ben. It looks like you did a pretty thorough job. Well, I like to think so. It was it was uh, you know one of the tough parts was um, when I was in in Nicaragua. Um, we were in this in this thatched hut, and um, my 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 friend Chris and I, and we were hunting around for chupacabras, and we didn't find any, but we um, we kept having these this weird feeling of like we were being watched, like like something was looking at us, or I, I couldn't quite tell what it was. And we were at this point we were we were pretty far down the uh, the San Juan River, uh, so we were. You know, there's no electricity there, no running water, anything else like that, and so we're basically in this, you know, this this hot, sticky jungle with howler monkeys and jaguars and tapirs and everything else. And um, as it turns out, we were being watched by a vampire. No. Please explain. Well, in our in our hut, there were uh, two vampire bats that had been circling above us, and I didn't actually find this out until the last evening. When um, I, I finally caught them because you just happened to have the light on right, and I took a whole bunch of photos. Of, I, I had my digital camera, and so I kept trying because I kept hearing something. I kept sensing something was like something was going on above us. But again, because there was no electricity, um, but then the flashlights we had weren't. I mean, they were adequate, but they certainly weren't fast enough to catch anything flying around. So I eventually managed to. I get a photograph of uh, one of the bats that was flying above us, and it uh, it was in fact a vampire bat. That's cool. How big are those? Well, this one was probably not. I would say not more than uh, seven or eight inches across. Um, although it could have been a foot or so. I mean, it's decent size. I, I had actually seen vampire bats before in um, in Ecuador when, when I was staying there. I I was staying in the in the jungle out there and. Some of the uh, dogs and horses had been victims of vampire bats, and they had little uh, patches about the size of a quarter that had been – they were sort of – all, all the, uh, the fur was worn off. And so it was this very distinctive round thing, and, uh, and if you look closely, you could see – it looked like sort of cross hatches from um, like – scratches like a cat or something <laughs> just it, it looked weird and and so i i actually had sort of recognized some of the i'd recognize what evidence of vampire bat looks like and so um luckily they didn't attack me but they, they're not actually not that dangerous they were kind of cute so after all your research what do you think the chupacabra is read the book lake uh it, it's in <laughs> chapter 14 um, no, I mean, essentially, uh, you know, it won't come as any surprise to anybody, certainly anyone's listening to this show or knows, knows my work, that uh, I'm, I'm skeptical of it. The Chupacabra is basically a generic name for a wide variety of things that people can't explain, ranging from creatures that supposedly have, you know, animals that have no blood left in them to uh, weird things that they see out of the corner of their eyes to uh, dead uh, mangy dogs uh, out in the Texas desert. So... Uh, in a nutshell, that's basically what it is. But um, 
the uh, in, in a in a broader sense, the chupacabra is is just another incarnation of the vampire story, uh, which has been around with has you know been around for for centuries, and I'm sure will continue on. So it's sort of all things to everyone. So you what were saying this is. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, my little Slade plug. Go ahead. Slade reference, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. You were saying that uh, the chupacabra is something that we can solve. Do you think because uh, there are so many varied explanations that that might make it more difficult for people to accept these natural explanations? Because because it covers such a wide variety of phenomena? or Yes, yeah, because there are so many explanations. Do you think that that will make it a bit more difficult for people to accept that this has been solved? Right. Uh, honestly, I don't think so because uh, I've laid it out very well, and I think that um, I, I'm very much aware of what the other side slash believers are saying about it, and so I've gone out of my way to address all of those. For for people who are saying, but hold on here, what about this? Um, mm-hmm. There's the answer for that. I think that by the end, people will say this mystery has basically been solved. In some ways, the what's 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 frustrating yet fascinating about it is that people will still see the chupacabra. That that really has no bearing on whether people will continue to see it or not, um, because of its very nature. People people will still find animals that they think are drained of blood. People will still see weird things out of the corner of their eye, and uh, certainly, if you believe in the chupacabra, you're still going to slap that label on it. So, uh, you know, it's it's like the rubber duck syndrome and skepticism, where if you if you explain something, most people can agree that you've explained it. That doesn't mean it goes away. Yeah, I mean, the cattle mutilations are still being considered a mystery here in the U.S., so mm-hmm. I'm wondering if the chupacabra is going to end up actually supplanting the uh, other the cattle mutilations via aliens or cattle mutilations via satanic cults it may become the new popular explanation for what I think are mostly uh, normal um, ranch predations and ranch um, scavenger work. Mm-hmm. Well, since it's yeah. a particularly new character, that might, I guess it's uh, still got a, a lot uh, of um, spreading to go, really, uh, in society. It's just a very new creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, that's, and I think that was one of the things, as I said, that, that made it... Uh, in my mind, solvable. I mean, I there's no way, uh, for, for as much as I know about lake monsters and, and other creatures, there's no way that I could say that, you know, that has been solved any, I mean, I, I can certainly explain individual sightings and particular types of evidence and, you know, on down the laundry list. But because the Chupacabra is so confined to a particular time, a particular place, uh, particular forms, um, that I think that in some ways that parameter makes it a, a soluble mystery. All right. I guess like uh, ghosts and, and psychics and other phenomena, people will always think that their story is the, the real the real thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's actually kind of funny. You have, uh, in some cases, you have a lot of infighting among Chupacabra, just as there's, you know, as both of you know, there's plenty of infighting among the Bigfoot buffs. Uh, there's also, you know, Bigfoot sighting and sniping and uh, and you know all sorts of stuff uh, backbiting and sniping with the uh, the chupacabra folks as well. So uh, you've got people who are claiming they have the chupacabra. No, no, they have the chupacabra. Well, all right. Well, that's all the questions I have. Okay. Awesome. Well, that was fun Me too. We should. Yeah. yeah, we should have we should have you back as a, a on our show. 
Monster Talk. Today you've been listening to Monster Talk as we interviewed our own Benjamin Radford, who just finished his manuscript on Chupacabra, as well as an article in Britain's Fortean Times magazine on the same subject. Radford's the managing editor of Skeptical Inquirer, and you can find his regular columns there and at LiveScience.com, at RadfordBooks.com, and on Facebook. Karen Stolzno writes at her Bad Language blog, CSI's Naked Skeptic, Skepbitch, and can be found on Facebook and Twitter. And I'm Blake Smith, and you can find my writing on Atlanta's Examiner, as well as Twitter and Facebook, where I write under the name Dr. Atlantis. Once again, we wish to thank the fine people at Skeptic Magazine for supporting Monster Talk. Be sure and tune in next time when we'll discuss giants, and you'll hear Dr. Kenny Fader say, I am one badass motherfucker that comes to giants, man. That's what I'm about. Music for today's episode by F&A Holes. And Monster Talk's theme is by Peach Steely Monkeys, both available via podshow.com. Also, be sure and drop by iTunes and give us a review or rating. It's a great free way to give us feedback and help other people find the show. Thanks a lot. Want to stay abreast of the latest from Skeptic Magazine and the Skeptic Society? Want cutting-edge skeptical articles delivered straight to your inbox every week? Then subscribe to eSkeptic, the free electronic newsletter of the Skeptic Society. Visit skeptic.com to sign up. The chuka, the chupacabra, the chupacabra. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recess lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.